That was My House by Flo Rida on Tune FM, UNE's student-powered radio. I hope you're well this Tuesday afternoon. I'm Lara, one of the student interns here at Tune FM. If you've just joined us, then welcome to Precedence Politics and Indie Pop. I have got a super special episode today for you. I had the absolute pleasure of chatting to Joanne van der Plaat, President of the Law Society of New South Wales this week. Joe also happens to be the keynote speaker for UNE's Law Student Society Law Ball Charity Gala coming up on the 23rd of July. I had 10 questions that I wanted to ask and Joe happily obliged with some incredible and insightful answers. One of my favourite answers was the book she would write if she decided to write one tomorrow. I'm sure you'll be keen to stick around for that. Let's get stuck straight into this interview on Tune FM. So I'm here with Joanne van der Plaat, President of the New South Wales Law Society, one of our guest speakers for the UNE Law Student Society's Law Ball coming up on the 23rd of July. Jo, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Lara. It's such a pleasure to be with you. So that we can get to know you a little bit more before the ball, I do have some questions for you. Are you ready to get stuck into it? I am super ready for all of this. I'm very excited. Okay, yay. So question number one, Joe: did you always want to be a lawyer when you were growing up? Pretty much. Pretty much I would guess is the answer to that. Um, There was a brief time when I was a teenager, I guess, you know, where I actually seriously considered being a a tennis player, so having a, a career in tennis. Like I was playing five or six days a week. Mum was literally carting me all over the state. Um, to play I mean who wouldn't want to play sport for a living and get paid for it right um, that would that was me but um, unfortunately a bit of a health condition kind of changed that course and and I went back to the original dream or I picked up where I where I left off um, at about the age of 10 um, which was that I would love to have a career in law. I mean, I just love solving problems um, and I really wanted to make sure that laws were created to just protect people that were less fortunate that, than me, I guess. Um, I like to fix things. Well, I like mm-hmm. legal fixes anyway. I'm not very good with a hammer in my hand, but I've married a builder. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think I feel like I've got the perfect match there. Yeah, well, that's good. You fix the legal <laughs> problems, he fixed the hammering problems and you're sorted. Yeah, no, we're all sorted. We're all sorted. But, yeah, I pretty much have have wanted to to go down that path since I was about 10 or 11, which I feel like kind of where you came from as well yeah yeah that's true I have always wanted to be a lawyer since I was 10 as well but just wasn't quite game enough to um study hard enough to be able to get into law school I was a little bit of a rebel as a teenager so I had to choose something else to do first but there now lots of different paths to get to where we need to be there is and that's a good thing Mm. so question number two joe what was your most favourite job that you have ever had? I think it, I, mean, I guess we're talking professionally here because I love being a mum and, and love being a, a wife, but um, I think if we're talking I think professionally. That counts too. Yeah, it, do, it does. Um, they're both amazing, amazing jobs, although um, 
my husband would probably then say to me, what, am I a job? Am I a chore to you? Um, so I am not <laughs> going to go. I'm not going to go there, right? Um, so if we're talking professionally, I would not be a lawyer if I gave you one answer to that. You know, we're, we are trained to fr- find the grey, right? But um, That's so true. I, I think there have been aspects of, like, every single job that I've ever had that I just absolutely adored. And I mean, like, right from being on the checkouts at Woolies during high school and uni, um, right through to this current role as as president of the Law Society. Um, The current role, I would say, is probably a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I recently referred to it as... um, being like general practice on steroids it's it's really like <laughs> that it's that ability to roll like all of my lived experience my passion my education advocacy skills leadership skills like all into one and you get to meet the most amazing um, lawyers that do amazing work um, in our communities every day. But, um, you know, it's it's meeting lawyers that are sort of contemplating retirement, uh, lawyers that are returning to work after having career breaks or having just had kids or, or lawyers that are just starting out in their careers. I've done a f- even done a few um, guest appearances for some PLT students, um, which I'm always, always keen to do. Uh, because I have been uh, a long-time champion of uh, careers uh, out in bush, out in the bush, as you know. Um, And I think that for me, I guess, you know, working in um, a small country town for the last 18 years has just been an absolute joy for me. Um, I was very spoiled. Uh, A lot of the time people used to say to me, you've got the best clients. Um, But that, that, that takes a lot of hard work to get to that point, I think. But yeah, some of them are lifelong friends uh, and some of those clients hold a really, really special place in my heart, particularly um, uh, a lot of them. Um, I, I used to do a lot of work in, in em- the employment litigation space. So those clients where we really, really went into bat for them for, for unfair dismissal claims where we got really just outcomes, um, you know, I think they're, they're the favourite parts of, of the job that I, that I really, really look back in years to come and just it brings a huge smile to my face all the time oh that's nice I love that that's such a like diverse answer like you don't just have the one thing but there's bits of all the jobs that you've had that you love that's really cool so question three if you could go back in time to meet the person that you were when you were studying law what advice would you give yourself this is such an Excellent question. Um, I've often heard people being asked this. I've never actually been asked this myself. It's actually quite, makes you sit down and really think, right? But um, it's something that I have had cause to think about um, a lot over the last few years because I think uh, it's really about um, knowing your purpose and your why. You know, I'd be going back and saying to myself, why is it that I'm really going down this path? Um, you know, because I can remember I spent a lot of time just doing the course, you know, mm. reading the readings, researching and doing the assignments, and I don't feel like I ever really stopped long enough to to really think about why and where I was going, so, you know, the direction that I was heading in, and that's I think feel like that's a dangerous place to be sometimes because you never know where you might end up. Um 
Now, but I'll be saying to myself, you know, you need to back yourself and you need to speak up. And what you have to say is worthwhile, it's valuable and it means something because it goes to, you know, what is it, what's the legacy that you want to be leaving behind? Mm -hmm. Um, It's working out what your motivation is and and living that daily. It really is because we can all learn the law. We're all all clever enough to have got the marks or, or, or been able to get into the degree and do the study. But it's, it would be saying to me, stop and take the time to develop the qualities and the values um, and that emotional tel- intelligence because that's what you really need to thrive and succeed in. I mean, I don't need to say this, but it's it's an incredibly demanding um, profession that mm-hmm. we are in. and They are the things that I'd be going back and saying to my younger self, make sure you invest the real time and the real effort in that because that's what pays dividends in the long run. Mm. Fair enough. I was going to um, throw a bonus question at you, which was do you think that that advice is still good advice for law students today? But I'm actually going to answer that question for you and I actually think that that was great advice for law students today. So thank you. Thank you very much for that. That is all right. Yeah, look, definitely, definitely agree with that. It's you know, if the last two years has taught us anything, it's it's about finding that right balance, isn't it? Um, mm. And and looking after yourself. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, I, I still say it to myself because every now and again, I sort of sit back and think, okay, let's just do a little bit of a recalibration here and work out um, where it is that I'm headed. I do it once a week. I have a little bit of a a bit of a routine, I guess, where at the end of each week. Um, I get a little post-it note out and I write five bullet points on that and I stick it to my computer and that's what I look at when I come in on a Monday morning and that's my way of saying, you know, what did you do, where have you come from and where are you going? Um, I to love just that idea. That, that thing for, for the following week. But everyone, I think, has probably got something that they like to do to be able to keep them on that daily motivation path. Mm, yeah, true. I have um I have a little picture that my daughter drew for me. It was when I was running my business and I was doing some film work and so she was in the office when I was doing the filming and she drew the person who was filming me and me like sitting up on a stool and like doing the filming work and stuff like that and when she handed me that picture I burst into tears because I was like Oh, I feel like I've just shown you that you can do and be anything. Like you can you can do anything that you want in the world. You just need to work really hard at it. And she saw that in that lesson and that's what she drew in that picture. And it just, it fills my heart with joy every time I see it. So that's my little bit of motivation that I have to get me through everything. It sits up on my desk. Yeah. That is amazing. And it's such, um, I mean, they're such sponges, right? But it's, it starts at such an early age about, I mean, I have a, a teenage daughter and it's about role modelling, you know, not something that's stereotyped. Mm. It's about saying you can do anything. You know, you've got to put the put in the hard work, but you can do anything. Yeah, you totally can. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. I am <laughs> also learning that lesson as well. Correct. Time is not, is not a never-ending resource. <laughs> So, yes, but anyway, lesson for another day, I think, that one. Yeah, that's right. Let's take a song break now. 
And we will be back right after this song with more of the lovely Joanne Vanderplatt for the rest of our interview questions. This next track is Cool With Being Crazy by Willow City on Tune FM. We're just misunderstood Cause I'm a little bit crazy And you're a little bit weird But we love the best in us And the worst of us just Disappears I'll be your champion And you can be my lady Cause you're my number one And you know I love the way We're cool with being crazy A ticket at the counter, but it's just a guess where we end up. California is cool and the people are fun, but it doesn't really matter where we are if it's us. I'm getting stars in my eyes and I'm feeling a buzz. I think they call this love. Cause I'm a little bit crazy and you're a little bit weird. But we love the best in us and the worst of us just disappears to be our champion. And you can be my lady, cause you're my number one. That was Cool With Being Crazy by Willow City. Let's get straight back into our interview with Joanne Vanderplatt, president of the New South Wales Law Society on Tune FM. So um, that brings me to question number four. 
What was your biggest career failure and what did you learn from that experience? We've started to already sort of stray into the answer to this and I feel like some of these questions are are a little bit connected, I guess, or maybe they're connected for me. But Mm. when I was thinking about this, I've probably never um, thought about or considered that I've ever had a, a a career failure as such. I've certainly, like everyone, probably made my fair share of mistakes and or I've had a lot of challenges but have really tried to take them as as learning opportunities, I guess. But um, I would say, you know, on a personal level, my biggest challenge would be career-wise would have been an internal challenge and I don't think I'm alone here and, in fact, I think, you know, there's 37,000 solicitors in New South Wales and I think each one of those solicitors might have felt a little bit like this at some stage, in, uh, you know, in their careers. But um, for me it was about overcoming this ever-present feeling, you know, that I wasn't ever clever enough or good enough to be in a position of leadership. Mm. Um, and even the fact that I wasn't even clever enough to be a lawyer, it was like it was imposter syndrome at its finest. So, you know, that little voice in your head that paralyzes your ability to be able to move forward, and it was holding me back from developing my career in ways that I knew that I should be or that I, that I could be. You know, so it, the, the result of that was really, you know, I, I was working twice as hard as others to achieve the same result. Um, and I spent all of my time working. And I guess the flip side to that was that was to the detriment of my health, to what we were just talking about is, you know, there's mm-hmm. only so much time in the day. Um, and that was to the detriment, you know, of my family and not being able to spend the time with them um, that I that I should have should have and that I wanted to. But um, there is something to be said, I think, about working smarter and, and not harder. And um, it was, for me, about letting go of that fear and mm-hmm. and just, yeah, that had taken hold. And it was about trusting myself. It was about trusting the ability that I obviously had um, and that capacity to lead people. And it was also about listening to others and trusting the feedback that I was getting because really no one had turned around and said, you're not very good at that or you can't do that and I really don't think that you've made it all the way to this position um, because you drew your name out of a barrel. Um, You got here fair and square because you obviously know what you're doing and you've got skills. But, you know, it had all stemmed from one single comment that someone had made to me in high school which was, oh, you're not smart enough to get the marks in to, to get into law school, well, that was a red rag to a bull to start with. Um, but, you know, I took myself off and got some coaching. Um, I went to some amazing, you know, sort of short course weekend schools around things like positive psychology. I read so many books about leadership and values and I retrained my brain because that's what you need to do. Um, mm. So there. That's not my failure. That's my challenge. And every now and again, it is a challenge. But you just have to keep working on yourself. Yeah, and we all do because we're all we're all good, and we're all leaders. We're all leaders in some way. Um, True. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I really love that answer. Thank you. Anytime. So, question number five: Where was one place that your career took you that you didn't expect? Definitely a rural area. So I didn't expect to to be end up 
to end up practicing in a rural area at, at all but but completely grateful um, that I did obviously um I was working in a large international firm in Sydney uh, as a licensed conveyancer and had recently sort of started my law degree and my husband had started working away from home and he was leaving at like 4am on a Monday morning and getting back really late on a Friday night and we just had our first child and, and we literally just didn't see each other. And we'd do, been doing that for about 12 months and just said, look, this is completely unsustainable. Um, so we we made the decision to move to, to his hometown, which is Cooma down in the in the Snowy Mountains, so about an hour and a half south of um, Canberra. Um, so And, and I, I remember we had agreed that I would just focus on completing my degree before going back to work. Um, but anyone who knows me, um, it became apparent very quickly that I needed to engage my brain, my brain beyond the textbook. So, um, so I took up a position with a local firm just three days a week, um, which sort of turned fairly quickly into full time. Yeah, which fairly quickly turned into um, uh, starting up a, a separate conveyancing business for them and running that on my own for a couple of years. Oh, wow, um, having another child completing my law degree, um, going back to the firm and um, then doing my supervision period and then and becoming a partner and 19 years later, um, here I am. You know, so that was, um, you know, did not expect to, to be working in the country at all but so, absolutely so glad I did because mm. it, 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 it has been just a remarkable chapter. Um, in my career and as I said just so many opportunities for such mm-hmm. rewarding careers in country mm-hmm. areas and you know regardless of whether or not you go there and and you stay for a, a, a little while or a long while um, you just it's the best training ground um, you're in court straight away you know some of our best magistrates and judges have come from the bush I mean if that's what you you want to do um, but yeah such a such a great way to, to, you know, sort of eke out an existence, if that's what you want to call it. But um, you've really just become part of the community. You're not just a lawyer. You're mm. almost the hair, you're almost the hairdresser. I often say that, you know, <laughs> when you get the hairdresser and you sort of like just gas bag about everything, you become just sort of part of this intricate fabric of your community. And so, you know, I, I'm invited to clients' weddings, their kids' baptisms um, and you're asked to join boards um, because of you know the experience and the expertise that you have but that's all really fun stuff as well Mm, fair enough all right so question six joe in your opinion what is the most important strength someone would need to have to be a successful lawyer I mean, I guess for me there, I suppose everyone has probably a little bit of a different different definition of success isn't there but um Mm. I think success for me requires a strength of character. Um, the IQ, as we've been talking about, and I think as we've said in the past, um, that's the easy part of the career. Um, we've all made it this far in terms of, you know, gaining entry into the degree and studying and those sorts of things. But there needs to be that corresponding ability to, to form meaningful connections, you know, with your peers, um, with your clients. For me, it's not it's about not resiling from those values and I think that's what makes you a good lawyer. Um, it's about clarity of judgment. It's about being ethical and moral and it's about service. 
I mean, that's a really, really big part of what we do. Uh, it's not just about you being a good lawyer, but sharing those qualities too um, and, and the importance of them um, through mentoring and sponsoring. And that's something that I've always heavily been involved in. I think you, there's always, you know, when you've hit a point, it's about making sure that you're passing that on and, and giving back to your profession. Um, and, you know, that's that's to this point about being a lawyer is just not about being part of this big industry. It, it's a noble profession and it's a privilege to be a part of. But, you know, with that comes some pretty incredible responsibility. And I think we've all got a responsibility to show up as the, you know, as the best version of ourselves that we can be. Um, so I guess that's my round of, roundabout answer to that. Um, if that no, makes I love sense. that. Yeah, <laughs> I love that answer too. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad we got to do this interview. Oh, okay. good. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm um, looking forward to coming up and hanging out with you all in a few weeks' time. So. Oh, I can't wait. Let's take a little break there for a tune. This is Girl Sports by Teen Jesus and the Gene Teasers on Tune FM. After this track, we have more of the wonderful Joanne Vanderplatt answering even more questions when we come back.
that was Girl Sports by Teen Jesus and the Gene Teasers on Chin FM. Let's get stuck straight back into the interview with Joanne Vanderplatt, President of the Law Society of New South Wales and keynote speaker of UNE's Law Student Society Law Ball Charity Gala coming up at the end of this month. All right, so my next question is about the industry itself. What do you think it will look like in five years? Yeah, interestingly, and this that question comes at a really good point in time because our every year the Law Society brings out a profile of what the profession looks like. Ah, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, so we just released the 2021 profile on the 1st of July, so on Friday, and mm. for the fifth consecutive year in a row, women make up more more of the profession than men, so it's 52%, 48%. Um, and I, so I can, see that, I can see that continuing to grow. Um, you, you only need to look around um, law schools to see that that's, that's a continuing trend. Mm. I also see that cultural diversity in our profession will continue to grow. But, you know, in terms of the next five years, I don't see the profession changing dramatically. Um, other than I think maybe some continuation of some of the improvements that we've seen coming out of COVID. So mm. things like hybrid working environments. So how our workplaces, you know, operate and how our courts operate, I think, are, are going to be things that we will see um, change gradually um, and remain permanent uh, in the next five years. We, we always need always say remember who comes first so client-centric approach so um, those things might change but we still need to sort of be thinking about who's front and center so clients are still going to be you know wanting to see the same level of service um, you know same value um, mm. so that's something that, that I don't see changing but I think um, you know now that borders have reopened um, we're going to see, some real changes around globalisation and around movement and around where people work. Mm. Um, I really think um, there's some work to be done in the space where women sit in leadership roles. So um, interestingly, that profile last week said whilst women make up more of the profession than men, women only hold 33% of senior leadership roles in private practice compared to 67% of males. So wow. I certainly see that there's some work that will be, will be done in that space. Mm. Um, and I think, um, you know, if we look forward, um, there's probably some gradual work around automation, so the types of the types of practice areas that would lend itself to being a little bit more automated. Mm. Um, that's not to say that lawyers won't be needed in those areas. We're always needed for the you know expertise and complex advice. But I really think in the areas of like say conveyancing wills and estates, we're probably going to see um, a little bit more automation come into those areas. So mm. that's just about lawyers making sure that they keep abreast of technology. So if that's a space that you want to continue to practice in, then just make sure that you're keeping up to date with whatever's going on. Mm. Yeah. Do you think um, the industry will look vastly different in 50 years? I do, but that that really, again, is probably a discussion around a couple of areas, particularly around globalisation. I, I don't know that I'd want to be working 
still working in 50 years' time, but I guess <laughs> if I was, I, I really will. I, I think the issue around the quotas and targets um, is a, a discussion that needs to be had. Um, you know, if, we're, if we want to be getting fair income about diversity in our profession um, and about women in leadership roles, um, then we're going to need to have that discussion. And I think we will. Um, I think we're going to see um, people wanting to move around and move overseas to work mm. um, as, you know, things move, you know, move into, you know, borders open up. But mm. I think one big thing that really stands out to me is um, we are going to continue to see a concentration of lawyers in city areas that is due to a lack of proper government planning around services and infrastructure. And that's going to lead to access to justice issues in rural, regional and remote areas. And that needs to just be shouted from the rooftops now because if we don't, then in 50 years' time we're going to see what we're already seeing now in some towns and that is you will drive through, through them, you will see shops closed down, you will see reduced or nil services, you will see no, no or very few lawyers, reduced, mm. like, you know, circuit court times, you know, crappy internet connectivity. Um, the list really goes on. Um, so if we want to see improvement in 50 years' time, we need to be looking at these issues now and advocating to government because we know how long it takes to get things happening. Um, so I don't think... Um, Things happen quickly, but they mm-hmm. do happen. Well, they do they do happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A bit of a fun question. If you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be and why? This is a super fun question. And I was going to say, this is one of those other questions that I've heard people ask before. I'm like, oh, I've never been asked this, right? <laughs> um, and, and I've thought, I've often wondered, like, how would I answer this if I was ever asked? But... Um, <laughs> This is probably going to surprise you, but the truth is um, I actually don't want to have dinner with any historical figure. Okay. Why is that? I mean, I'm slightly curious. Like I'd randomly like to ask some people questions. So, for example, Mm. I love music. Music is a big part of my family's life. So I would love to ask someone like, say, a Whitney Houston, like why did you do that? You have... You were such an amazing talent. Like, why, why did you do what you did? Or I would love to say to you know Governor Arthur Phillip, you know, um, why did you think massacring Aboriginals on their own land was even a human thing to do? Mm. Um, but I think we all know the answer to that. Um, but you know, the truth is, I'd actually like to have dinner with someone from my future. Oh yes, because you know, if we if we're thinking about our profession, how I look at this is, you know, if we want to be future proofing our profession and knowing sort of what lays over the horizon, I guess in terms of what are those emerging risks, but always glass half full. I always see like what are the what are the opportunities that we can seize hold of. Now it would be fascinating to know what lays ahead of us in terms of technology, mm. in terms of regulation, in terms of government, like what's work going to look like? I'm sure it's going mm. to look different. Mm. Um, are there still uh, going to be jobs for lawyers? 
I would um, love to find, I would love to chat to the first person who practiced law on Mars. Yeah. So, I mean, that for me is, uh, you know. That would be cool. I never studied history at school apart from the mandatory history stuff. And there is an, there are occasions where I think, you know, it might have been useful for me to do that. But, you know, I'd, I, like, I like to look forward and think, okay, how can we, again, how can we solve some of this stuff? But, um, you know, I'd like to know, will this state finally have a standalone Human Rights Act, right? You know, mm. COVID has changed so much for us and I think, um, you know, in, in just some of those spheres. So I'd love to have some, you know, I'd love to catch up with someone from the future. Um, and so the answer to both of those questions is neither of them will happen. <laughs> If we could, that's what I'd like to do. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good answer. All right, so we're nearly done. If you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write about? So um, if I had absolutely nothing else to do, I've often thought writing books would be a really good use of my time. So um, the book would be called Leading with Values, Why the Liberal Party or indeed any party needs to take a long, good, hard look at themselves. Um, Mm. You know, I'm not sure I probably need to explain why that book needs to be written other than there is probably a scariness in the fact that a book needs to be written about that in the first place, right? But I totally agree. I just think communities are crying out for a genuineness and an authenticity in politics um, that we have just not had for such a long time and there is such a dangerous road that we all seem to be travelling down when we when we start accepting, um, and look, and this is my personal view, I should say, and not that of the Law Society, um, mm. it's um, you know, when we start sort of travelling down that road of populist politics and, and short-term solutions to really complex social, cultural and legal problems that we know exist. There really needs to be a little bit of a broom sweep through all of, through the whole of Parliament mm, um, to take a look at a really broad range of issues. But just, you know, go out and listen. Yeah. Go out and listen. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. Last question. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Humility. People have often asked me what I see as the most important character strength or value to have Um, and I have always, um, you know, people have different answers but for me it's humility. I think that's the most powerful character strength of them all Um, and I think with that the others flow. Um, But I hope that's something that, um, or it's something that I try and display, um, that and kindness. I love that. That's, mm. That would be a very lovely thing to be remembered for. Mm. All right. Well, that's all the questions that I have for you, Joe. Thank you so much okay. for your stunning answers. Honestly, they, they have floored me. They've been wonderful. Um, thank you so much for taking some time out been fantastic really enjoyed it 
So if you would like to check out the work that the New South Wales Law Society is doing, you can visit their website, lawsociety.com.au, or check out their Facebook page. And you can also connect with Joe on LinkedIn and Twitter. So don't forget your law ball tickets so that you can hear Joe speak in person. I, for one, cannot wait. If you are not a member of the Law Student Society, then you can join at the website union.unelife.com.au slash clubs slash LSS. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Joe. Thank you so much, Lara. And you've just reminded me, can I plug, students can also be members of the Law Society too. So oh, cool. Yes, you can absolutely plug the, that. If you're on the website, there's a drop down to take a look at that. But come and hit me up about it if you have any questions when I'm, when I'm up there. That was Joanne Vanderplatt, President of the New South Wales Law Society and keynote speaker for University of New England's Law Student Society Charity Ball Gala happening on the 23rd of July this month. If you don't have your tickets for that, you definitely need to be purchasing those now because I am sure that she is going to be such an amazing speaker in person and I personally can't wait to meet her. Time for some more tunes now to get you through to the 4pm news. This one is Black Hole by Griff on 106.9 Tune FM. Some of me. 